Hi, I'm Hannah, team manager with the Orange Arrow Players Association, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field. Please consider making a play by giving, posting a friend raiser, subscribing to our podcast and YouTube channel, and staying connected on social media at Orange Arrow PA. Visit orangearrow.org for more information. Thank you for listening. Take aim. The man, the myth, the legend. My guy, big bro. Bull, what up, man? Rob, Rob, what's going on, What's man? up, man? My guy, Hannibal Navies. Absolutely. So I started off calling you Bull, man. How'd you get that nickname? Man, that nickname, it hit me once I got to the league, man. Uh, it was actually William Floyd that played at Florida State, bar none. Uh, he was a fullback, so I was the, coming in for a rookie, and he used to, we and him used to have to battle all the time. Just con- he called me like a bull, so and it stuck. Yeah, with and it stuck, like because he's like, man, you like a bull out there, because we hit all the time. So we basically gave him my props, and man, it just stuck with me. Um, so everybody started calling me Bull Navy, and so you know, I, I can always tell who knows me from where they know me from. When they call me Bull, I know they knew me from my football days. Got you, yeah, yeah, got absolutely. you. Dig it, dig it. So. Little thing called this or that. You mm-hmm. gotta make a decision. All right. You gotta make All a decision. Right. All right, you ready? Yep. So you gotta take a trip. You gotta go five hours. Are you driving or are you flying? Flying. Flying. You didn't even hesitate. Absolutely. That was too easy. Yeah, I'm not driving five hours. You I'm can't gonna, do if it. I don't have to. I'm not driving. You done? I'm a flyer. All right, I got you. Here we go. Yeah. Shaq or Kobe? Ah. Ooh, come on, bull. Talk to me. Ah. I gotta go with Kobe. Kobe. Yeah. Why Kobe? That's a hard window, man. Yeah, I I, I see it. it's written all over your face. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, actually, I used to say Shaq, but Kobe is just such a skilled athlete, man, and such a dedicated athlete. Not saying that that oops, not saying that Shaq wasn't, but I think that if you look at the history books, it's gonna be told that that Kobe is probably one of the best ever to play in the game, man, as a scorer and as an all around. Uh, basketball players, so I, I would have to say that. But it's hard though, man. It's Shaq, tough. Shaq changed the game, you know, especially as a big man back then. Uh, he was nobody. There's nobody can compare Shaq to though. That's the thing. That's the difference. So I'm, I'm gonna go with Kobe for that. Going Kobe. I'm go with Kobe. All right. 49ers or the Raiders? Oh, 49ers all day. All day. We eight no by the way. Currently eight no. Currently eight no. Yes, man. I'm not a Raider fan. I'm from the Bay. But I'm not a Raider fan, man. The Raiders left, can't take them back. When they left when I was a youngin', I never took them back, man. And while they left, the, the Niners, we just winning chips. So I'm going to go with the, the Niners for sure. Niners, Niners. Who's your favorite Niners of all time? Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice. Then Joe Montana, but Jerry Rice. I used to think I was young Jerry Rice back in the day. How about that? <laughs> Before you were a young boy, you were yeah, young Rice. Young Rice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Last one. T.I. or Jeezy? T.I. all day. T.I. all day. T.I. started the, the trap music out here, man. Yeah. Without T.I., there's probably no Jeezy. Yeah, so we're here in Atlanta. T.I., GZ, my love, but you're going T.I. I'm going to go T.I. I'm not mad I'm at that at all. Yeah, I'm go but T.I. we do have a little history with, with Jeezy, though. Oh, yeah, Jeezy's my guy now. I, I just can't put him ahead of T.I. just for the history. But to Jeezy, I wrote hard with Jeezy. Now, I asked you, drive or fly, and you said you would fly. Well, there was actually <laughs> one time you yes. made that drive, and I helped you. And yes. I was riding with you. Road I was helping you make that drive. We made that road trip to the Super Bowl, yeah. and I feel like... That Jeezy song, Who That, oh we might have played that over a, and over. a hundred times. Yeah, that, that, was our, that was our theme song for that road trip. Did it just man. come out or something? It just come out and it just spoke to us, man. We, we both did back to back. <laughs> Dude, Who That? 
We that. Yes, no, it, it just kept rocking. It was, it was it's an inspirational song for us, man. You know, yeah. that's where we at in our, in our time of our life. Like, let's go get it. Yes. That's, that's where we were. You know what I'm saying? That's that's our mindset. Still our mindset. But totally. at the time, it was like we were young in our entrepreneur days and our philanthropy days, man. It was just like, let's go get it. So yeah. that's, that's where it was. We made that drive to Tampa. That was the, uh, the Stillers versus the... Yep. Still Cardinals, versus bro. Cardinals. Yeah, versus Super, the Cardinals. Super Bowl, man. We, Super we drove. It was a last minute decision to go. So we had to just pick up a drive. You decided to roll with me. Let's go. And uh, the NFLPA actually wanted me to come speak at their, uh, what they call it. Uh, it was like some type of community outreach yeah, was, at, at was, a local was, school. Yeah, local school talking about uh, life after sports and things like that. So I went up there and did that and turned out to be a good trip, man. How about that? Trip. Yeah. We, uh, we talked about a little bit the uh, 49ers. Versus the Raiders, the Bay. You're from the Bay. From the Bay. East tell Oakland. Tell us a little bit about where you're from. Man. Early, early beginnings. I'm, I'm, I'm from the Bay, man. From East Oakland. Uh, I was The hospital I was born, I was actually born in Berkeley, California. Um, but I, I, I always lived in, in Oakland, East Oakland. My father was a, a teacher, professor in Berkeley School District. Uh, tied at Berkeley High. I was the uh, African American Studies uh, Board of, uh, Director, excuse me, of the whole department. It was the only one of its kind at that time in the public school back then. Uh, but yeah, I'm from the Bay Area, man. Born and raised, been a Bay Area kid. Always loved the Bay, lived the Bay. Loved the culture of the Bay Area. You know, that's that's the black culture in the Bay, especially back then, was was part of who we were. It was part of our lineage and our legacy back then, coming from the Panthers and just the culture of being black and being proud to be black. So I think that's embedded in who I am, being from Oakland and that, and that part of the Bay. And, and not just being from the Bay, but obviously my father had a big part in, in that. But being in the Bay just kind of, it bred that, you know, it was one of them cities where the culture was strong. So it bred being proud of being black and being grabbing onto your black history was part of uh, the Bay, man. So that's part of the Bay that I really love the most. Uh, I think people from the Bay are authentic and real. Um, California is known for being fluff, but I think there's a Southern and Northern part, right? But the Bay area in Oakland is really where I got my grit, my grind, and, and just kind of my authenticness of who I try to be, man. So that's Bay Kid. And so you mentioned, you know, being proud of your heritage and being strong. Speaking of strong, you have a very strong mm. name. Mm. And just talk about your name, Hannibal Navies. Hannibal Navies. So my, my, my name is Hannibal Carter Navies. My father named me. So Hannibal is a, is a family name. My great-grandfather name was Hannibal Cleveland Carter. Um, but Hannibal was named, is, is obviously, I don't know if you guys know, but Hannibal uh, Abarca, um, he was a king in Africa. Uh, and he was he fought against the Rome and crossed the Alps on the elephant. So he was a bad mofo back in the day, way back in, in Carthage's time, man. And uh, so, you know, he was black. So history writes him as white sometimes, but he was definitely a, a black man and a strong king. And he's his his war or his his tactics, strategic tactics are still kind of seemed as deemed as some of the most strategic tactics and still used to this day. But you know, history could have been written differently. There was a couple incidents that happened in history where Rome wouldn't be Rome. If a couple of things went differently with Hannibal, but that that name comes from from that man, that king of Africa, that great general in Africa, and my father wanted me to have such a strong name. He knew that with a name like Hannibal, uh, he's my mom would even tell you this. He said, "With a name like Hannibal, nobody f with you." So he yeah, he, he gave it to me, and I, I grew up with it and lived with it. And you know, I think today's time, there's so many. There's Hannibal Lecter, there's Hannibal from the A Team, there's Hannibal the Cannibal, all these different things. But my father, I never cared about people messing with my name because he taught me what it meant and uh, I always walked around proud of my name, man. Well, that's great. Great. I was going to ask you about that. You know, how was that growing up? And so having that background mm -hmm. and understanding where, where, where it came from yeah. allows you to walk strong Absolutely. with proud. I never, 
you know, you get you get it all the time, man. Especially people don't know, you know, young kids. Hannibal the Cannibal or Hannibal the Lecter. This you named after Hannibal the movie. You eat people and all this other stuff. But for me, man, it, it was just part of the course, just part of what it is. But I never, I never second guessed it. It was, it made me proud to wear that that name or carry that name. I knew it was a family name. I knew what the history of it was, and I knew what it represented. So for me, it's just living up to my legacy, man. You know. I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. So. We're going to talk a little bit about football, sure. but before that, what other sports did you play growing up? Man, I was an All-American all track up. runner, man. All-American all track runner? I got the records. Everybody been talking crazy, but I got the records, man. I was, a, I had a, I was part of the fastest 4 by 2 uh, my senior year in the, in the nation that year. Wow. And y'all we, can run in Cali, yeah, though. Man, I'll give y'all that. We had the fastest 4 by 2 in the nation. It was the third fastest time in California history and the sixth fastest time in, in the nation ever. Wow. Now, so, were, were you on the 4 by 2 or were you an alternate? Man, come on, I ran ankles. Stop playing. <laughs> you got to ask those questions, <laughs> man. Because you might have been on the team, man, but you might, have, you might have been number five. Stop just playing, man. Just can't somebody I pull ran, their history. I ran anchor on a 4 by one and a 4 by 2 and a 4 by 4 Wow, as a linebacker. As a linebacker. What was your man. size in high school? I was 6'3", probably at my heaviest, 200, but I probably ran track around 190. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, so you, you, you wasn't as big as your, your playing days. Nah, I, I would say... So I can see you moving yeah, in at that size. 190, 200 was, was my biggest at that time. But, you know, football season, I try to get up. I'd be like 215, maybe. But uh, I showed up at college in Colorado, 214. So I, I ran about 190. 190. Yeah. Okay. Track, anything else? Track and football. Okay. Track and football. Now, with football, did you play offense? I did. I was right. I told you I was young Jerry Rice. <laughs> I just couldn't you catch. said you wanted to be young I Rice. Just, I just couldn't catch like him. I get open, though. Oh, you like young Rice? You was more like young yeah, Frog yeah, Rice. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was getting over. I told you I ran that track, so I outrun anybody, but I, right. I wasn't catching everything like I needed to, man. So I went to uh, linebacker, and I played cornerback before I played linebacker. I was, a, I was a cornerback up until my senior year. Wow. I didn't play linebacker until my senior year. I was a, I was a wide receiver and a DB corner. How about that? Yeah. Until yeah. your senior year. Until my senior year. And so how was the recruiting process for you? I know you, we, we talk about you, yeah. you ended up going to Colorado, but... Yeah, I ended up going to Colorado. I was getting recruited as wide receiver in the corner, man. And in my senior year, my, my, my head coach, he said, we're going to be the linebacker. I think that'll be better for you in recruiting. And I, was, I couldn't see it. Back then, linebackers were huge. You know, they weren't like, you know, how they are now. Uh, they were huge. Delon Kirkland and all those guys, they were huge. And I didn't see myself being like that but they put me there and I, I flourished at it man and just you know I was uh, in the Bay Area I was probably I was one of the top three you know top three recruits in the in the area and in, in the state man I got still have all this stuff man I think out of the, the state I was literally probably the, the 49th or 50th highest recruit in the, in the state of California at that time that's saying a lot yeah so it was good it was a good year I had a good senior year we we had a good team that year uh me and my best friend both got scholarships to Colorado you know I, I chose Colorado at the time because they were number four in the country at the time they had just beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl they sent probably 11 12 guys in the draft that year they, they had the Heisman Trophy winner they had a Thorpe Award winner they had a Buckets Award winner that year so it was just a natural fit for me to to, to get out I, I wanted to get out of Oakland and you know I had a very good I don't know how I had it at that age, man, but I had the wherewithal to know that I, should, I needed to get out of Oakland. I had strong scholarship to Cal, could have gone to UCLA, um, but I wanted to leave. Cal Berkeley was literally two blocks from my high school, so they recruited me heavy. Great academic school, wasn't so good in football at the time, but they still put a lot of people in the league. Um, but chose Colorado, man. It was a fit for me, get me out of my element, um, but it worked. It worked for me. 
Now going from Cali, Bay Area, yay area. Mm-hmm. How was that transition to Colorado? It was tough, man. Uh, it was tough because Oakland, especially at the time, was a majority black city. Uh, Berkeley High was very diverse, so I thought I was prepared for it, right? So the school I went to was very diverse. So it wasn't like I didn't come across other cultures, but Colorado was 2% black. Colorado University was 2% black, and that included the athletes. So I struggled. Is that Boulder? Boulder, Boulder? Yeah, yeah, Boulder, Colorado. So it was 2% black at the university, and it was hard for me. First, first year, first semester, first year was hard for me socially. Um, I had to stress myself to, to really you know, come to terms where I was and how I was dealing. Um, thought about transferring several times. But football, the football was, was what kept me grounded, what kept me focused, what kept my drive and my passion, um, kept me there. So I focused on being the best I could be there um, on the field and in the classroom. Um, the classroom the first year was terrible because I think I was just getting used to the whole thing. Didn't red shirt, played, playing on ABC you know, every week and, and playing against top ranked schools every week. I think it was a whirlwind for me. So it was, it was a tough transition, but it was something that I feel looking back was probably the best decision I made in my life because it, it stretched me socially. Um, it made me be acclimated to a lot of different people, a lot of different cultures, because that's what life is, that's what business is, that's what philanthropy is, that's what it's a microcosm of the world. I, so I, it was good that I, I went and got that growth in college as opposed to going somewhere where everybody was the same. So it was good for me. And so uh, what did you major in? Sociology. Sociology. I was a business major my first two years. Um, a lot too much math mods, too many, <laughs> too whole bunch of bad involved with that man. And so I, 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 sociology is the only thing that piqued my interest in, you know, the study of society, and that's just right up my alley, man. So I, I definitely uh, enjoyed that. And so you said starting out, you know, it was a, str- it was a little struggle because of the transition. So how were you able to get on track? Um, it was just for me, it was just an eye opener, just to get back on track. So it wasn't one of those things where I was a so it wasn't hard for me to be a good student. It's just I wasn't focused on being a good student. So once it, after the first semester, and I just sat down and said, hey, your grades are this. If your grades don't become this, then you won't be able to realize your scholarship the way that you want to. You won't be able to be on this team anymore. You won't be able to keep your scholarship. So to me, that's all I need to hear to get myself back in. Like, oh, I am at school. <laughs> I am a student athlete. I have to get back on track. And so me, I knew what I wanted to do, and I wasn't going to allow any obstacle to take that away from me. So if, if going to school and keeping my grades was part of that, that journey and that path, then that's what I had to do. Now, were you able to get back to home much during your college days, holidays? I would go back every chance I got, which, yeah. you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving. Uh, we have like probably two weeks in the summer that we get to go back. So spring break. So I would, I would definitely get back. Oh, so every time you got a chance, yeah. you got a chance to go getting, back. I was getting out. I, I dig it. A couple times it was hard. Like, we make no money back then, so it was like, ah, I got plane tickets. Getting a plane ticket home was not easy. At all. So it was a couple times I'm like, ah, I'm going to get home. But I always made it somehow, got to the house. And later in my career, like not career, but my college days, maybe my junior, senior year, I started opening up my spectrum a little bit and understand it was more things than just Oakland. And I would go to some of my friends, you know, spring break at there where they're from, like Arizona or different places, and started saying, okay, maybe I just don't need to go to Oakland all the time. And I uh, just started spamming a little bit and doing that. So that was good as well. So when I think of Colorado, I think of cold and I also think of slopes. Mm. Did you ski? I did. It's funny because, you know, being from the Bay Area, you know, the closest thing to us was Reno or Lake Tahoe. My daddy 
with love Tahoe. So we would go to Lake Tahoe at least in the, once in the summer and once in the winter. And that's why my first experience skiing was with my father and my family. So he used to take us skiing all the time. Uh, so getting to Colorado, uh, remember my first year, Neuheisel, Rick Neuheisel, actually, we went to a bowl game. He actually took the whole school skiing for free that year. So we, we went up to the slopes and skiing. That was probably my last time really skiing because football became my my goal and my, my passion. And I understood that that was an obstacle. If I hurt myself skiing, then it would probably take that away. And I wasn't gonna let something like that happen. So skiing kind of went away. It's crazy because that's more skiing in Colorado, but that's when I actually stopped skiing because of football. How about that. And so thinking of football, University of Colorado, with some of your fondest memory playing? Playing? Uh, one of my fondest memories, I would say, it's, it's several, man, but one that stands out early on that kind of separated me was playing Texas A&M my freshman year. We were playing uh, Leland McElroy and Texas A&M, and they were in the top 10. We were in the top 10. It was my first ABC game, my, my freshman. And Leland McElroy was uh, the head. He was the leading Heisman Trophy candidate at the time. He's averaging 50 yards of return on kickoff return. And I remember his third quarter, and it was a very close game, and I, I ran down there and just knocked him out, right? So knocked him out. Knocked him out the game, knocked him out cold. And that probably was the reason why we ended up winning the game because he couldn't come back in the game and perform. So that was first time I made Sports Illustrated. First time I ever did all that stuff. So it kind of became my claim to fame. So I do remember that stands out to me. But it just carried me on through my career after that, man. It, was, it just was eye-opening for people. Like, he can he can play some ball. So that was that was one of the football moments that I definitely remember. And that was your freshman year? Freshman year. Wow. True freshman. True freshman. I was about to ask you that. True came freshman. As a true freshman. 18 years old, man. Running down here. Yeah, it was good, man. It was It was fun. College football, man. Division, you know, major college football. It was good. What was your jersey number? Freshman year was 26, but after that, I wore number eight. Okay. So, sophomore through senior year, I wore eight. Is there a significance to the number eight? Yeah, so my best friend, so when I came in to Colorado, my best friend, TJ Cunningham, wore number eight. He was a senior. He basically took me up under his wing. Um, and once he left and went to NFL, just out of respect for him and what, who, how he took me under his wing and how he mentored me, I took number eight and wore number eight the rest of the year. I mean, the rest of my time in Colorado. Yeah. And so you balled out your entire time there, and you had an opportunity to realize your dream of yeah. playing in the NFL. Yeah. Talk about that transition from going from D1 college football to the NFL. Uh, it, was, it was an experience, and I don't know if it was my dream, really. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I love football, but I don't know at the time if – Football was something that I said, I'm going to be an NFL player. I don't think that that was me. I just loved the game. I, loved, I knew I was good at it on the schoolyard. I didn't start playing football until ninth grade, so I never played Pop Warner or anything like that. So ninth grade was when I first played football. I didn't know how good I would be, any of that stuff. Just played it because I loved it, had my friends playing it. So I, didn't ever, I never saw football as my dream, so to speak. Uh, but as I began to play and got better and actually – got a scholarship, and then, well, what's the next step? You know, it became something that became a goal more than a dream. Um, but as I got older in my career in college, it became a dream, uh, excuse me, a goal that I could realize, like, okay, I think I can play in the league, right? So why not be the best I can be and try to take this job opportunity? So that's kind of how I looked at that. But it was, a, it was a journey because nobody teaches you what that's like. Nobody tells you what the next level is like. Nobody really tells you what that process is like. So it's the biggest job interview of your life. Uh, I think now with social media and, and the way media is now, um, TV and all that kind of stuff. I think now people have an understanding of that journey a little bit more. But back then, I didn't know what I was really walking into. So 
getting the agent and combine and senior bowl and, you know, all these interviews and tests that you do and physical tests and all that kind of stuff. You have to be mentally ready and mentally strong to do all those things and, and be prepared to answer the questions right and perform physically right. So it was good, man. It was a, it's a learning lesson. You know, I, I pulled my hamstring a week before the draft. I mean, excuse me, a week before uh, the combine. So I was one of the fastest linebackers in the draft, but I couldn't show it. So I, that kind of hurt me uh, going to the combine and not being able to run and perform, couldn't do any of the drills, any of that kind of stuff. So that kind of bothered me. Then my personal workout, I still ran a 4-4, but I pulled my hammy again at my personal workout. So I really couldn't perform the way that I, I wanted to. So I, I think those two things took my draft status down. I was supposed to be a late first rounder, early second rounder, end up going uh, top five in the fourth round, hundred pick 100 which was different, right? So you go through, I was learning lessons through the whole process of really just not counting your chickens, to, chicken your eggs and whatever to the hatch. Um, because you ha you listen to people telling you gonna go, where you're gonna go in a draft and you start to believe that stuff, right? So then you don't go where you wanna go. So then it was always a chip on my shoulder, like I gotta show them that I can that I can play and do all that stuff. So I went through that experience, not really going where I wanted to go and seeing people getting drafted before me that I was ranked before and as far as linebacker, but I think it's because I couldn't really show my talents and. and that hamstring bothered me all the way through my, you know, that, that process of draft and all the way to getting drafted. And I missed first OTAs and everything because of my hamstring. So it took me a while, but injury part of football. And that's something I dealt with throughout my whole career, man. Not the hamstring, but just injuries. Right. What was your size coming out? I was 6'3", 240. 240, mm -hmm. running a 4'4". Mm -hmm. yeah, it was man. moving. Yeah, man. My documented time, man, at Colorado, my fastest time was a Four three seven, man. Wow. Yeah, man. I was still running. I, that was my thing, you know. That was that was my thing. We need to get you out there a dash or donate. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you can't you, run you, like that anymore. I, I see, I see you doing a dash or donate. I'm like, man, don't call me out because I pull a hammy. Now. Exactly. Like, no, nah, we don't want those problems. <laughs> so who were you drafted by? Drafted Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers. Yes, yes. And I had a. It was good, man. It was a blessing. I had Sam Mills as my linebacker coach. So I was his first. He became a linebacker coach for the first time. So I was his first draft pick. Uh, linebacker, so it was good. He's a good man and a good good linebacker coach. Taught me a lot of lessons in football and life, and uh, good man to have. You know, he passed away from cancer um, a couple years after I left Carolina, but he was just he meant so much to me in that organization. It was good to have him as my first kind of linebacker coach. And how long were you there in Carolina? <clears throat> four years, four years. Then I went to Green Bay. Green Bay. So stick with Carolina. Who was um, fondest memory there? Ooh, Carolina was challenging. So I don't know my fondest times in Carolina were. Who was challenging about? Was well, you know, my first couple Carolina? years, man. Uh, first couple years of Carolina, my first year of Carolina, uh, I was part of the, you know, Ray Carruth situation, you know. So that whole Ray Carruth, Ray Carruth went to my college with me. So I knew Ray Carruth personally. I lived with Ray Carruth uh, when I got drafted there. Um, I had just moved out of his house before that, that situation had happened. So... I was involved, not involved, but I was uh, attached to that whole situation early on. Uh, I was, you know, I'm still, I'm a rookie, right, going through that. So by the time my second year, the trial came around, I was on a trial. You know, I'm still trying to get my grips into the, the NFL. So I'm on a murder trial my second year, in the first and second year in the NFL. Um, then my second year in the NFL, one of my best friends on the team gets murdered by his wife. We're neighbors. He lives literally across the street from me. She murdered him, shotgun, shoots him, domestic violence type situation. So she kills him. That was the first time I ever been a pallbearer. Uh, so going through those kind of things, 
just made being there a little difficult for me. Um, but I made it through challenging. But like I said, a lot of injuries, a lot of things up and down. I was blessed to be a part of it. I learned a lot from, you know, coaches and different things as far as dealing with relationships. Some of the coaches I had, you know, uh, some fragile relationships with up there. So learning how to deal with relationships and how things aren't always going to be the way you want them to be. Or, you know, so just dealing with those things, things that I teach young players now. Um, I went through that. I think God put me through those things for a reason. So Carolina was a little bit cloudy for me as far as the best, best times, but just, you know, being there, playing football, meeting the people that I've met, uh, being part of a good organization, new organization at the time. And just meeting the people that I've met, that are, you know, lifelong relationships is probably the best things I'll take away from Carolina. And so with Carolina, I mean, that's a lot. Mm, As a young a man, you were probably yeah. what, 20, 21, 22? I got drafted at 21. That's a lot for mm. anyone yep. at any age. Yeah, man, but was... going into this new world, this NFL world, yep. and then going through the, some of those challenges. Yeah, it was, it, was, the... it was difficult, man. It was one of the things I look back. I, I really... At the time, you don't have the time to think about how bad things are, especially, you know, me mentally, we just fight through things. But when you ever to come out of something, you look back like, wow, that was very challenging. But like I said, the reason I was put through that, God put me through those things for a reason. That Those are the things that I'm able to teach. Those are the reasons why I'm validated by what I teach and what I give back to the people that come behind me because I've been through so much and come out on the other side. So it was for a reason. Green Bay. Mm. Green, Green Bay. Bay. The Packers is everything there. Green Bay, the Packers is everything, man. So I had a great time in Green Bay, man. It was it was a great stop in my career. Uh, played well, been on some good winning teams. Uh, been a part of some good players. Played with Brett Favre for three years, man. Played with Aaron Rodgers for a training camp. But just part of the winning tradition there, the tradition, you know, it was different going from Carolina who didn't really have a tradition yet. You know, they were a new organization. So, you know, and Green Bay is pretty much where football started almost. You know, the Lombardi Trophy, you know, so... Uh, being there and being part of the organization, being part of winning um, and being part of that whole culture and how the fans were. The fans were just fanatical all over the country, not just in Green Bay, but how they loved their Green Bay Packers and just Green Bay, how they kept it a small city, but the city was big when it came to football. So it was it was fun, man. I had some great times in Green Bay. And talk to me, what's the fuss about all this cheese? <laughs> talk to me about the cheese, man. Yeah, you know, I... Hey, man, it's the land of the cheese, man. The cheese heads. I, I, I never... Cheese is cheese to me. I still don't know. I still don't know the difference. I still don't know the difference in all the cheeses, man. But that's that's what they think, man. The cheese heads, they go strong in, in, in Green Bay with that. And what's the what's the tradition with camp? You ride a bike? Yeah, man. So tradition in, in Green Bay is during training camp, there's a whole bunch of kids. When you come out, like the, the practice facility, uh, the training camp is across the street from where we come out of the locker room. And there's a whole bunch of kids with their bikes, man. And so you just ride the bike. A kid will ride with you. Well, not ride with you. He'll walk with you or run with you while you ride their bike to the practice field. So, oh, yeah. Okay. So they're like, there's a whole bunch of kids like, pick my bike. Why don't you ride my bike? So you get on their bike and you roll to practice. And then eventually after you do it, you actually have a kid there that you kind of like, you're going to be my kid for the, for the training camp. So you come out there, he's waiting on you. You get on a bike and go to go to go to practice. So it's a good deal, man. It's fun. How about that? Yeah, it's fun, man. I used to get mad when my guy didn't show up. <laughs> I actually went back to Green Bay recently, and the mom, of that player, that that kid, I used to ride his bike was there. She said, "Yeah, he used to love, uh, he used to love you riding his bike." And he was so disappointed at the time. You got mad at him because you he didn't show up. Because I had to walk, How did he man. Find out? Oh, you next time you saw you, yeah, you let him know. he came back the next day. I'm like, where were you at? Right. I had to walk to practice. I was mad at him. I was like, I almost didn't get back on his bike. 
Like, man, listen, man, you can't be missing days. Right. But no, We're a team. Yeah. Right, right. Well, this is a partnership. Yeah, right. You had me walking to practice. Yeah, hold you up. Yeah, hold the yard to end up in your bargain. So it was all good, though, man. Yeah, how about that? After the Bay. I mean, after Green Bay. Cincinnati. Natty. Here. Okay. That was interesting because that was, you know, I could speak about it now, but that was the year that, you know, I got I got released from Green Bay. I was a starter. I got released from Green Bay because I had a back injury that pretty much I played three years after it, but pretty much never was the same player after that. So that I, I never spoke about it while I played. But you, st- uh, you still have, yeah, I still have. Issues. I still yeah. battle. I still battle with that a lot. It's part of my life now. But um, yeah. got there, went to went to Cincinnati. wasn't the same player that I was. Couldn't run no more. That was by. It's like taking you know, Superman strength away. You know that was that was my thing, being able to run. So I couldn't run like I used to. But I was at, I knew the game of football. Still physical. And I was a vet at that time, so I knew how to maneuver and get through and still make plays and still be a part of the team. But I never was the same player. I started sporadically for the next part of my career, but I never was that bona fide starter like I have been before. But uh, Cincinnati was a transitional period for me in my career because that was pretty much when I started realizing, like, this is probably going to end very soon. So that was different kind of a year for me. I wasn't involved. I wasn't a part of, you know, like I said, I wasn't a, a bona fide starter, but I was a special teams guy again. So it was... The latter part of my career, but it was good, man. I got to be a part of uh, a black head coach for the first time, so that was interesting. Marvin, Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis. Mm-hmm. So that was that was something that I'm glad I got to do before I left, because especially then it wasn't a lot of black coaches at the time. So being on a coaching staff with black coaches and, and head black coach, it was it was good for me to be there, and it was interesting. But no, it was a good year. We actually were good that year. Cincinnati, first year. That was the first year in like 20 some years I had been to the playoffs. That's when it started their thing, you know. So we had a good years, 05. So we had Chad Ochocinco and TJ Husmanzada and Carson Palmer and you know Rudy Johnson. So we were rolling. So we was we we were we were killing. So it was it was a fun year of winning. So that overtook everything. If it would have been regular Bengals that had been back in the day, I'd have it would been even worse. But it's cold in Ohio. I didn't know it was that cold in Ohio. It's freezing. I'm oh, really from goodness. Ohio. It was cold. Ohio. I didn't know. You know, I didn't know Ohio was like that. In Cincinnati. Colder boy. than Colorado? Colder than Colorado. Way colder than Colorado. And I'm from from East Oakland. I thought I saw the hood. (laughs) (laughs) The natty. The natty. The the natty, boy. They they bring it to a whole nother level. So it's just, you know, understanding different people's way of living, man. It was good, though. And so that was Coach Lewis's first season? No, he had been there for some years. Okay. Oh, he's been there for a while. But that was Mm -hmm. your first time you playing for uh, a head coach. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So after that. Then I went to San Francisco, man. It all came back How about around. that? Yeah, man. How was that? That was interesting I mean, because I, you know, that was my team I grew up yeah. with. So that's where football started for me. So God is good, man. God, the only reason I played football is because I grew up watching the 49ers, right? That was my thing with me and my father. Like, that was our bond on Sundays. We watched the 49ers, and we was winning all the time back then. That That's why I grew my love of football. So then to play football and then to end my career in San Francisco on the team that I grew up the reason why I played football probably in the first place and, and the team that I grew up watching into my career with them was a special thing. And retiring from the Niners was a special thing. And playing in the Bay was a special thing. So it was it was good, man. Was so fun. you said earlier, your favorite 49er, Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. Did you get a chance to meet him? I have got a chance to meet Jerry Rice. I, I didn't meet him while I played. Oh, not while you were playing. Okay. But I went back to a couple of alumni things. Now I'm a part of the thing and uh, part of the organization and got to meet him, man. Took some pictures with him, met him, told him how I felt about him. It was good, man. It was, you, it was you, good. you fan out a little bit? A little bit. A little bit? Okay. I can see y'all yeah. amped, excited. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, yeah. You, I grew up respecting his work ethic, man. That's one of the hardest working people in the world, man, especially at, the, at what he did in his craft, man. He wasn't the fastest, wasn't the strongest, but 
man, was set all the records by just work. It's hard work and grind, man. So, And so growing up, my favorite athlete was Deion Sanders. Deion, yeah. And so when I was playing at Pitt, Deion was doing commentating. Mm. And Pitt, we practiced right next door to the Steelers. Right next door. You've been to Pittsburgh, yeah. so you've yeah. seen it. We're right next door. I got word. They told me that Deion was next door. And his driver was outside. So after practice, I waited. I had to wait at least two to three <laughs> hours to, and, and talk to his driver sitting yeah. right there because I was not about He's to not miss leaving, my opportunity man. to uh, say hello to prime time. Yeah, and so when he finally came out, he came out. This, he, it's cold in Ohio. It's cold in Pittsburgh, yeah, too. Absolutely. So, yeah, this long mink on. Oh, man. I'm hey, telling you. up. That's, that's Mink up. And so... I asked him for his autograph, and that was the time he said, you know, I don't do autographs anymore. Right. And, and But he said, I'll show you some love. And so he showed me some love, brought me in. I put my head on the mink. <laughs> I was ready to go to sleep. I was, I was good, man. Prime time. Nice, nice. Prime time. That's what's up. Yeah. That's what's up. So, uh, now that's cool, though. That's cool. And, 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 um, and it's really cool that, that we're able to help and be, uh, you know, a ray of light to young people. Yeah. Yeah, young absolutely. people and, and those who look up to us. Absolutely, man. Yeah, not even for what's done on the field, but more important, off the field. Absolutely. Talk to me about 360 Football Academy. 360 Football Academy is basically, man, I'll get into kind of more detail of it, but why I created 360 right. Football Academy was exactly what we spoke about earlier in this, in this interview, is just who I am, why I am who I am, the challenges I've gone through in this sport. Uh, what I've seen, not just through my personal challenges or, or experiences, but what I've, what I've been able to experience other people go through uh, and what made people successful, what made people not be so successful in this sport, um, and what was the common denominator. So it, for me, it was how can I, after I retired from football, was how can I put together something that doesn't just focus on football, even though football is very important, right? And I think that how you coach a player and good fundamental coaching is very important to a, a player's success, but how can I give them the best coaching, but also give them the best things, a path to success of hanging on to that dream that they have and using that dream to drive them in all these things and be successful and how to look out for things that people are not teaching them. So I felt at the time, and I still feel that way now, what we're teaching uh, the next generation of football players is not um, what the reality of what their journey is going to be like or what it looks like. Even if they, no matter where their journey drops them off, there's a lot of things that they need to be teaching them that will make them better men just by loving the sport, right? So it's not all about going to the NFL, but it's, if you love the sport enough and you want to be successful at the sport, you have to be, you have to have some things aligned around you and you have to be good at some of the things or be aware of some of the things around you that can not, that not detract you or take you, derail you, excuse me, off of your path. And I see that happen all the time. So for me, it was able to, to be able to tell my story, to be able to teach, you know, I, I after football, I wanted to say, okay, what can I do well? What am I good at? Uh, what do I really want to do? And like I told you, my father was a teacher. And I've always wanted to have my own school. So it, it morphed from being an academy, a physical place, to being able to be more mobile and do these academies throughout the country and give other players a platform to use to, to really give back and teach the way that I, that I know how to teach. And so it was be able, you know just putting the pieces together, growing um, I, I really feel like the guys who go through this experience are the experts and are the teachers of this, right? Who better to teach the children or the next generation of kids better than people that have actually done it and done it wrong and done it right. So 360 is about that, man. It's leadership development through athletics, using the power of sports to teach, right? You know, taking that passion that these kids have and having them 
sit in the room and, and listen to you because they know you've gone through something and taking that passion and opening their eyes to things they didn't think about, you know, from financial literacy to mental wellness to just, you know, uh, college prep. How do I get prepared to go to college? What does college look like once I get there? You know, um, just recruiting process, right? Everybody is exploiting these kids, trying to get them recruiting. Like, here's what the process looks like. Here's how you get there. So I wanted to do that. I wanted to be able to teach the kids. I also wanted to give a platform for other former players to be able to um, have a business, be a part of, and to be able to tell their stories as well, be teachers, give their experiences, whether they're teaching, whether they're coaching. So I wanted to build that platform. I think there's too many platforms out there now that don't include former players, right? And so we're on the outside looking in, trying to be a part of other people's businesses. And I feel that there should be some ownership from us to give that back and, and have a platform for us to own and be able to give back. So 360 is a lot of different things. But for me, 360 is really just a way to, it doesn't have to be football. It's a way to just outline and give a pathway to being successful in something that you want to be in, right? And even if you don't make it to the NFL, which is which 360 is not solely about, but it's just about um, if you do the right things on the right way on that path and you fall short of making it to the NFL, which only 1% make it, you've built up all these things on the side, you know, that make you a better man or a better person that allows you to be successful in life, which is really the goal. So that's what 360 is to me. Um, it's morphed to a lot of other things. I could talk all day about 360, but... The 360 is that, and it's a good business too, right? Business, uh, NFL is a $13 billion business, right? So from a business standpoint, it's also an opportunity for us to be businessmen and get into something and teach something and grow something and brand something and work with sponsors and work with corporations and, and do that um, and give them back something. And one of the most important things about 360 is, is being complete, right? Being a total package athlete. And what does that take? Like we talked about, what are the things that make you successful? What are the things that, that derail you? But not just doing a camp or being on site in the physical part of it, but what can I do and build something that these kids get something year round? What can, curriculum can I build that can impact these kids year round? Not just, I saw you for a day, you got to meet a celebrity, you shook his hand, you might have got an autograph, but that impact for that day might last another couple of days. But then where's the real mentorship? Where's the real impact? Where's the information? Where are the resources? So that's what 360 is geared to be, has grown to be, and it's going to continue to grow to build to be that, that year round piece of mentorship and curriculum for uh, athletes. 360footballacademy.com, correct? Absolutely, 360footballacademy.com. And years ago, in the early stages, when I lived in Atlanta, I helped support you mm -hmm. with 360 Football Academy. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. I'm excited uh, to see the work continue. I applaud you um, stepping out there and doing something that's impactful for the next generation. And so, Orange Arrow, mm -hmm. our mission is to coach male and female student athletes to aim for success off the field, off the track, out of the pool, wherever the playing sure. arena may be. Why is it important to be more than an athlete? It's important to be more than an athlete because being an athlete, there's always an end point. So if you don't prepare for the end and you only focus on being just an athlete, then you're basically saying uh, you're, you're, you're selling yourself short. You're putting a limit on yourself because you're training yourself for life, not for just a sport. So if you're training yourself for life and you really want to live a good life and track, swimming, football drops you off at 25, then you don't have those other things built around you. Then the rest of your life is spent just treading water, trying to figure it out or trying to, trying to, trying to develop yourself then. So if you understand that sport is the vehicle, right? Sport is the vehicle. It's not a career. It's not a career, really. It's not because nobody play a career is, is till you want it to end, right? It's longevity in a career. Football is a job. Sports is a job. Sports is a passion. It could be that, but it's not. You have to stop looking at it as a career because we get caught up mentally 
like this is my career. So when you think about it as a career, you don't think about the ending, right? So if you don't focus on the things that will make you better off the field, uh, you don't transition well and you don't, you, you, you flounder and you don't know what's next. So you have to focus on, it's actually more important than the field because life is longer than the sport, right? So if you live to be 70 years old, but you play sports for the first part of your sports ended at 26, 27 years old, which I'm seeing it happen all the time, then what about the rest of your life? And how do you become better in that part of life? And how do you not be at a standstill? How do you, how do you end your sport and continue to roll on without having this hard stop and trying to figure it out? Um, so that's why developing yourself outside the sport is, is most important. And then if you develop yourself outside the sport while you're doing the sport, it develops you as a better player too, as a better player so that when you do transition, you are able to take advantage of the opportunities that are given to you because you've, you've developed yourself in these things, right? So you transition better. You are able to roll into the job in a better position. You're able to understand the world a little bit better and you've worked on yourself um, to be better. Just like in football, you work on your strengths and your weaknesses. You work on your weaknesses. You should do that off the field as well so that when you're done, you're able to step into these platforms and be successful. So it's important to be to look beyond the field because um, it ends, and that's not a, that's a, not me saying that's not my opinion. It's just the truth. That's a it's fact. True. There's yes, no there's no tell me. I don't know any athlete that that played the sport till they died. It can I be know. very. I mean, I'm Brady act like he's trying. He's trying. Right? <laughs> he's trying. Though, right. And even even if you take Brady, right, who is who is a phenomenon, it's gonna end. Right. Right. So if you take the dude that did it the longest time in the world, he's still gonna end. He still has to be prepared for that next life. I mean, he's doing those things. Right. He's doing things outside of football. Once he's done football, he'll be other places being successful. So that's what we have to look at is, is that. So don't look at the sport as, as the end-all, be-all because it's not. And it's not, like I said, it's a fact. It's not me just making a statement. It's a fact. And you have to look at that. And once you open your eyes, like, oh, it's going to end. I don't know when, but it's going to end. And sometimes it's always before you think it is. It's, before, it's always before you think it is because nobody's going to think they're going to – nobody sets their goal and say, I'm going to play two years and I'm done. Nobody sets their goals to say that, right? So your goal is to play as long as you can and, and, and be the most impactful as you can as a player, but it's never when we think it is. So you have to be prepared for that. And being prepared is, is a relative word. I mean, that's easier said than done, but you have to understand that there's an end point because when you don't understand there's an end point, then you just mentally and physically and emotionally you get broken down, man. So it's important to, to understand uh, why you should focus on the things off the field. And so lastly, uh, we talked a little bit music earlier. I know you're a music guy. Mm -hmm. Oakland, the Bay Area, some incredible musicians have come from the Bay Area. Tony, Tony, Tony. Yes. Um, Bo, MC Hammer. MC Hammer. Too Short. Come on. 40. 40, 40 water. Who is your favorite artist from the Bay? <sighs> you, you're going to listen to one artist from the Bay for the next 60 days. I'll have to say... I only get one? You got one, boss. I'd say E40, man. E40, 40 water. 40 water. Sprinkle me, man. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my guy. If I had one dude that I could just, like, 60 days of music that I would have to only listen to, I have to, I have to say E40, man. Favorite song? Oof. Or oh, who came to mind first? Dusted and Disgusted. I don't know if you heard Ooh, that. Come on, man. Don't play me like that, man. My wife from the Bay, man. Let's go. Let's go. Hannibal, yeah. Bull, Navy's yes. big bro, man. Yeah. Thank you for your time, Absolutely, bro. Man. For All sure. love, Appreciate fam. it, man. My man.